This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by Palmer Toms. He covers Georgia football for Dogs HQ, part of the On3 College Sports and Recruiting Network. As the Bulldogs roll into Nashville on Saturday for an 11 a.m. kickoff, Palmer tells us if this year's crowd in Nashville will try to top the Bulldog crowd on West End a couple years ago. Also, will the Dogs be playing with an edge after not being able to have a senior night last season due to Vandy's COVID issues? And lastly, Palmer gives us his rundown of matchups to watch in this game as the Doors and the Dogs get ready to face off in Nashville. We've got all that and much more coming right up here on the Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Let's ride. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome into The Door Report. It is episode 109. It is September 24th, 2021, a Friday uh, afternoon. We're recording here this one. Uh, we're powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Well, it's Georgia week. Vanderbilt uh, heads into this one at 1-2 one and two after uh, a loss to Stanford, and we'll, we'll dive into this matchup, and uh, we'll also be uh, joined by Palmer Toms, Georgia beat writer from Dogs HQ, uh, part of the On3 Sports Network, that uh, new site uh, that has been started. Uh, uh, we got a lot to talk about, uh, some good news, some bad news. Should be uh, an interesting kind of uh, learning experience for the Commodores tomorrow. I think that's probably the best way to look at it is to look at this as a learning experience against the number two team in the country. Some have been saying based on their recent performances that maybe they should even jump Alabama. So this is a top two team, no doubt, and possibly the best team in the country. So the expectations of Vanderbilt fans need to be on just the performance of this team and how well they execute the game plan that Coach Lee and staff lay out and not necessarily the scoreboard. I think yeah. we're going to try to keep the preview as positive as we can because I think all Vanderbilt fans that will be listening to this are aware that there's almost a 0% chance that Vanderbilt is able to win this game tomorrow. There's not, I'm not going to say a 0% chance, um, but, but because we have seen ETSU come in and dominate Vanderbilt on their home field, which yeah. I know the talent differential may be even greater between Vanderbilt and Georgia than it is between ETSU and Vanderbilt. But we've seen upsets on this field. So, But this is a learning experience for the staff because they have not had to face a caliber of opponent like a Kirby Smart across that sideline. So just seeing how they react to the game plan that Kirby Smart brings and then how they're able to handle the fact that Georgia may be coming in a little bit pissed off after Vanderbilt canceled their senior night uh, game yes. last season. Yeah, there are some interesting storylines heading into this one that we will get to. Uh, and, and we've also got a couple of other basketball, baseball news to touch on. Uh, the new Memorial Gym floor, Vandy Boys schedule release, uh, Ramon Davis out for the season. Of course, we'll touch on that. And uh, our, as usual, our three keys uh, to the game. Uh, for the Vanderbilt side of things. But before we get to the Georgia preview, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door.report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. 
It's now time to preview Georgia. Alumni Hall is the go-to shopping destination for Vanderbilt gear. Stop into their Brentwood location at the Hill Center or shop online at alumnihall.com forward slash Vanderbilt dash Commodores. A special 10% discount is awarded to students and military members. Plus, all year round, Alumni Hall carries brands like Nike, Johnny O, Champion, Yeti, and much more. Even better, with an excellent selection of women's fashion, Alumni Hall is the one-stop shop for the whole family. Help support Vanderbilt Athletics by purchasing your black and gold gear from the Alumni Hall. Stop by their store in Brentwood at the Hill Center or log on to alumnihall.com forward slash Vanderbilt dash Commodores. All right, Will, before we get into the Georgia preview, quick uh, plug as usual on Alumni Hall. Only at Alumni Hall, you'll receive a free gift with your purchase of $50 or more. You will have the option of choosing between Vanderbilt pint glasses and slim can koozies for your game day drink of choice in Vandyville. Just in time for Vanderbilt, Georgia kickoff again, noon Eastern time. So early kick uh, tomorrow. So get into Alumni Hall as soon as possible. This deal is only valid in store. So be sure to stop by uh, Alumni Hall on 201 Franklin Road in Brentwood inside the Hill Center. Their doors are open from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. So don't forget to stop in before Vandy, Georgia tomorrow. All right, well. New Memorial Gym floor uh, has been released, and you know we kind of built this up, talked about a lot about it uh, leading up to the reveal. Uh, we had to wait, I guess, probably a month before they, you know, they started kind of giving us sneak, sneak peeks. Uh, but looking at it, Will, the video was cool. It looks a thousand percent cleaner and just better overall. The Star V is bigger, um, but uh, uh, kind of a, another added detail to it was the anchors. How do you feel? I want to ask you, how do you feel about those anchors on the court? You know, it's it's whatever. I don't really care. You know, anchor down if they're they're going to utilize anchors as long as they're going to utilize the anchor down. So the anchor still a logo. I just don't think that Vanderbilt fans want anchor chains running all over their football uniforms. So I don't have a problem with that. This isn't a you know anything crazy of an upgrade or anything of that kind. But if you're not a Vanderbilt fan, you probably won't notice outside of those video boards um, that are that are being installed. But the biggest thing to me, and I think anybody that's been to those games or watched a lot of Vanderbilt basketball games on TV, is I'm just really happy that it looks like they have adjusted that V, the star V in the center of that court so it's proportional. Because it has always bothered me, and I think it's bothered a lot of people, and I thought maybe they would keep it as like some kind of unique thing with the court, (laughs) that the star V in the center of that court was just not right. The proportions of it were not correct. It was too thin. It was very weird looking. So I'm glad they corrected that, but yeah. everything is pretty much the same. What Memorial Gym is known for hasn't changed. So there's not anything that's going to be significant, but it's just these small minor upgrades that have been needed for a really long time across all the programs outside of baseball that that have needed to be done, and it looks like they're finally beginning to accomplish some of those. Yeah, and Candice Lee, a lot of her plans are starting to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Now, and I'm sure this, like you said, it's not something massive, but those video boards being added, I mean, that, that I, with all that combined, that's a significant significant overhaul and improvement to, to Memorial Gym. Um, and Will, I think there are a lot of people that were excited to see and relieved to not see the Nashville skyline um, on the court. I know there's some people that all I don't, I just don't want to see that. I just, just don't put the Nashville skyline like Memphis, I think is done and some other uh, colleges. It's too much. Right? It's too much. <laughs> a little too much. So uh, we didn't get that. Thank God. But 
Uh, well, that, that's that's pretty much it for that. Again, we will see the video boards. That those will be interested to see where those will be released. Um, and and uh, I know when you're up top uh, at some of those levels at Memorial Gym and in, in the second level, third level, the the higher you are, you can't see that uh, that video board. So adding those uh, those video boards at the lower level, uh, really close to the court, will will benefit a lot of those fans. Before we get to the Georgia preview, well, one more note: uh, the Vandy Boys schedule uh, has been released. The full schedule. We got the SEC release. Uh, about a week ago, we got the full release with the non-conference opponents. Uh, they will actually travel all the way to Hawaii, which is uh, going to be an interesting uh, trip for them. And, and you have the basketball team also planned uh, in Hawaii as well at the Diamond Head Classic. They will have Michigan at home, a rematch, of course, of that national championship series. Eric Backage bringing his team in, a former uh, Vanderbilt assistant, but another Vanderbilt assistant, Josh Holiday from Oklahoma State, is making his return uh, to the Hawk to begin the season uh, for the Vandy boys. So, and Will, we, we know it per usual, the SEC schedule is, is pretty spicy as well. There's some really good home matchups. So, uh, again, a trip to Hawaii, and I, don't, it's, I guess the Vandy boys deserve it, right? They, they deserve it after all they've, uh, after all they've done. Another trip to Hawaii. So you got Vanderbilt football that's going to yeah. be taking a tropical trip and you've got the Vanderbilt baseball program that's also going to be heading out there. But the release video was awesome. I think oh, I watched the unreal. whole three minutes, 45 seconds and was just uh, enthralled and amazed by it. So props to the Vandy boys and that uh -huh. and the marketing department and their video department. That, that was an incredible video release. And maybe they're working their way back into my good graces after they canceled Revealed <laughs> and didn't release one of those after Colorado State. But it's going to take a while. Uh, to work up that you're maybe one percent of the way back into my good graces you're working hard to get back maybe so working back i know uh, that is their top priority is to get back in will byram if the door reports good graces man i don't get how they made that though that that that, that, that had to have been i had to have taken that was a painstaking over. time consuming process I mean, google man. earth i don't even know how you go about making that that's that's incredible <laughs> uh so maybe another google earth video release for the football team we'll get it get the get you back in will, will that, that one won't, that one won't take near as long though. That's only that's only a twelve game season, so that yeah. wouldn't be near as many traveling back and forth. So I think right. they can definitely do that one before next season. Yeah, we'll see about that. Well, uh, a really tough piece of news here: Ramon Davis out for the season. As we get to uh, some of the football preview here, and I mean, you're missing Ramon out for the season. That that's obviously a big blow. I'm not going to say this is Ramon Davis. If he played against Georgia, it would be a little bit closer. I, you know that that. That's kind of irrelevant at this point, but again, we we we've touched on it uh, throughout the week on our on our um, Twitter account. Torn ligament in his toe. You can't sugarcoat it. Will just a huge blow, um, and uh, Rocco Griffin is going to have to step in, and uh, he, he looked good against Stanford. So we'll, we'll see what uh, what Rocco Griffin's able to do. But man, that's that's just huge. It's something that uh, I, I, the phrase Vanderbilt can't have nice things is somewhat coming to fruition because. I know Ramon Davis was priorly was banged up prior. You know, he, he was wearing the brace and he wasn't 100%. Uh, so again, and we talked about this at the beginning of the season, Will, we wouldn't be surprised if he struggles with health because he's getting hit hard every play and, and he's a starting running back in the SEC. It's hard to stay healthy, but man, tough blow. This in the season preview we did, Billy, if anybody wants to go back and listen to that, we discussed position by position, kind of broke down the depth and what we expected out of each position. And running back, we specifically pointed out before the season that it would be more detrimental to lose 
Ramon Davis than literally any other position on the entire team, including quarterback, because you have two quarterbacks there in Mike Wright and Ken Seals. Running back is the thinnest position on this roster, and Vanderbilt's in trouble. Uh, for the remainder of the season with losing Ramon Davis. On the entire season, they don't have another running back on the roster outside of Rocco Griffin that has received five or more carries. The next highest is four carries for 17 yards from Patrick Cheek Smith. So you're basically going to have Rocco Griffin and two freshmen, one who hasn't received hardly any snaps or any carries, and you're going to have Patrick Smith who's going to step into the same role that Rocco Griffin was stepping into before, even though Patrick Smith is more of a speed running back. So Rocco Griffin has a lot on his shoulders. He is, I really hope, in really good condition because he's going to have to be out there 90% of plays just for pass protection because I am just looking at Patrick Smith out there and I just don't see that he's going to be able to pick up a blitzing outside linebacker from Georgia very well at his size. So Rocco Griffin is going to be quite sore on Sunday morning. Um, and he has a big task in front of him. He looked good against Stanford, but yeah. that Vanderbilt offensive line was opening up some pretty gaping holes against Stanford. Mm -hmm. And this Georgia defensive line that we'll get into during the preview is going to be a little bit tougher to move than that Stanford defensive line was. But looking forward, losing Ramon Davis, they might have to move somebody to the running back position just because they don't have well, any depth I, whatsoever yeah. there with the transfers that they had from Keon Henry Brooks um, and the rest of that, that crew. Yeah, right I, there. I was going to add, Will, James Ziegler, who um, was actually, he was converted Defensive from a back. safety, yeah, yep. safety to running back. So, and he's a freshman. So uh, I'm sure we'll see a little bit of him. You also have Dylan betts Polly, a guy kind of further down in the depth chart, but uh, again, they have running backs, but you know, Rocco Griffin's really the only guy that, that is expected to, you know, come even close to what Ramon Davis uh, produced. And Ramon Davis was, I mean, seeing that it, it uh, 44 you know, carries on the year, almost averaging five yards a carry. He was coming into his own. It's, it's just really, really sad to see him go out yeah. with that injury at this point in the year with but some I, winnable games after Georgia. Especially. Oh yeah. But I think what you, what you noticed is that he he's, he's invested in this team and, and he, he has bought in and, and, and he's going to be a coach on the sideline and, and next year will watch out because Rocco, uh, now, Rocco is going to have, have some fun next year, too, but so is Ramon. Uh, running back room will not be as thin next year, uh, again, with uh, yes. even with some more freshmen coming in. All right, well, let's get into the preview. Georgia Vandy tomorrow, noon Eastern time kick on the SEC Network. Uh, Taylor Zarzer, Matt Stinchcomb, and Alyssa Lang on the call on the SEC Network. You can also, of course, always listen on 93.3 FM. Will. Uh, first off, it's going to be some good weather. Um, I know you'll be there tailgating 70 degrees and sunny. Yeah, plug, kickoff, plug so. right here before we get into the preview, the door report. We'll just say it's our official tailgate. We won't have any branding. We haven't gotten to that point yet on our tailgate tent, but we'll be yep. set up in lot two. Me and uh, our rider, Jacob Schultz. He is uh, going to be picking me up quite yep. early on Saturday morning after he picks up a tray and here the comes train, the train. The train is very excited about this door report tailgate, huh? The, uh, the, the train is very excited. Hopefully it doesn't blow the horn too many more times because the train blows the horn when the train wants to blow the horn. <laughs> but uh, me and Jacob Scholl will be set up out there early at lot two. We should be out there before 7.30 a.m. getting everything set up. So stop on by and, and yeah. uh, have a few drinks with us over there at, uh, in lot two. Little maybe some mimosas there. It's going to be early. Maybe it's going to it's be going early. To be, it's going to be an early tailgate. And there's going to be a decent amount of red. I, I would expect uh, as well around you guys. So sea of uh, red. good luck and and uh, get ready. Uh, get ready, Will. But um, <laughs> into this preview, uh, what I look at, Will, of course, Georgia's supremely talented. You could argue they're the best team in the country right now. They beat Clemson. 
Um, and, and they have looked like their defense has looked like the best defense by far in the country. Their talent is insane. They've got dudes everywhere across the board. Uh, but if there is a sliver of an opportunity for Vanderbilt to get any kind of momentum offensively, it is with their receivers. Now, Ken Seals not, isn't going to have much time, but Georgia's defensive backs are inexperienced. And I talked to Palmer Toms about this, Georgia beat writer uh, from Dogs HQ. And so I'm going to be interested to see how that matchup goes, Vanderbilt's receivers and Georgia's inexperienced DBs. And Ken Seals, we he might have an average of one second in the pocket back there realistically. Um, but I'd expect Joey Lynch to counteract that and try to hit some early screens and maybe even introduce a few wrinkles that, that some opponents haven't seen yet uh, because he saw against ETSU Vanderbilt offensively didn't show a whole lot in general. Um, and then a good Colorado state to showed a little bit more and then Stanford a little bit more, but I think they've saved a good bit for this Georgia team uh, and knowing coach Lee, he is going. He he knows what is 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 at stake here. Obviously, for Georgia, if if they if they don't beat Vanderbilt handily, I think there could be some concerns there. Like if this is a 15, 20 point game, yes, Georgia won the game, but Georgia wants to dominate this game. Um, also, well, I'm going to be curious to see how how involved Ben Bresnahan is, how healthy he is, if he even plays. Uh, I know he was on the depth chart, but we'll see if he's full go. So. Um, well, not a whole lot of confidence, you know, uh, for Vanderbilt fans in this game, of course, but um, we talked about it earlier. It's a learning experience and, and especially for recruits because, you know, there was a, a lot of big time recruits in, in the house against Stanford. Uh, and then for the Georgia game, I, I'm sure a lot of those players want to see just a, a level of fight and a level of grit, um, not necessarily looking at the scoreboard, but, but, you know, looking at the way they play and say, okay, they're, they're out here and they're fighting, you know, that I think that's what fans want to see. Fans, I don't think Vanderbilt, I think Vanderbilt fans understand and are realistic. We mentioned it yes. at the beginning. This Georgia team is insanely talented. They're the, currently the number three defense in the country in yards per game, trailing only Iowa State and Wisconsin. And Georgia has a game against Clemson in there. I don't know if you've heard of that program, but they're typically pretty decent. All right. Yeah. Um, so they're only giving up 216 yards total per game, only giving up basically 3.7 yards per play against 176 plays that they have faced. This defensive line is dominant. Like you said, Billy, where you can exploit Georgia is in the deep passing game. They have had a tendency to give up passes of 20 plus yards. I believe they've given up four or five on the season four, yeah. of 20. Yeah, four on the season. And they've also had a few of those that would have been those games, but they've had some pass interference calls that have negated those plays. So that secondary is the only weakness on this defense. Now, unfortunately, I believe Vanderbilt is ranked 113th out of 124 FBS teams on pass on successful passing plays of 20 plus yards. So you have Vanderbilt's biggest weakness on offense going up against Georgia's only weakness on defense, which does not bode well for the Commodores. Um, and, and a lot of these keys and how we're going to be previewing this game and giving our keys are going to be related to how does Vanderbilt keep this game competitive, keep it close and keep it from getting out of hand on the scoreboard because you're going to have a Georgia team coming in pissed off that they didn't get to have their senior night game at mm -hmm. home between the hedges. And they're still pissed off about it, even though Vanderbilt had like 35 scholarship players and half their team was hurt or transferred out. And Georgia fans still wanted to come in and beat them 100 to nothing with a team that would have been completely depleted. So leave Congrats. it to Georgia fans to be understand, understanding and realistic and compassionate. No, 
That's that's not the dogs. That's not that's not going to be the fan base that literally barks like an animal. Always known for intelligence, if you stand and bark like an animal. But moving on, uh, you can tell I love. Oh, that was that was electric. Yeah, the offense for Georgia has been really good. Georgia's known for producing stud running backs. You see them all across the NFL currently. They're known for having a big bruising offensive line, but they've also got some talent out there at receiver. And Vanderbilt's secondary is going to have to have its best game of the year. The entire team is going to have to have its best game of the year to keep this game within four scores. And that's just, they cannot get off to slow starts that we've seen. They have to put together a full game of football to keep this within four scores. And right now we've only seen Vanderbilt put together at most what you could call a quarter and 1.275 quarters, I would say is the most football that we've seen put together. Um, I just... I just think that Vanderbilt's going to struggle to stop this run game. I don't think we even need to preview aggressively the quarterback and talent at wide receiver because I think if Georgia wants to, they'll be able to run for 300 yards in this game. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, and well, I, I, JT Daniels has has taken a step up. I mean, he, he went 23 or 31 against South Carolina, 303 yards, three touchdowns. His numbers have been unreal um, here so far. But what I look at also, Will, is – is South Carolina last week, they, they were, they basically were unable to, they had 82 rushing yards and that's a decent running game. Kevin Harris is, is, you know, in the top echelon of sec running backs and Georgia's defense held him to 16 carries 31 yards. That is two yards a carry. So this Georgia defense, if Vanderbilt wants, if if, obviously Vanderbilt, it's going to be tough for them to move and and create push and even give Ken seals time. So offensively, I, I'm struggling to see how Vanderbilt moves the ball uh, because of the the strength of this team. This Georgia team is that front seven, and the weakness of Vanderbilt, of course, is getting push and and giving Ken Seals time. So do I go I go defensively. Will this Vanderbilt team? They they've been able to you know they had an interception against Colorado State uh, at Stanford. They 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 did show some flashes, of course, in that first half. But defensively, I think is where the key is here. Can Vanderbilt limit the deep ball from JT Daniels? Georgia. <laughs> will likely have their way running the ball. But this game revolves around Vanderbilt's defense because I just don't think Vanderbilt's offense is going to be able to move the ball a whole lot. Um, and, and I would think, you know, you're in agreement there because Georgia, they, they've been passing the ball more than they've been running the ball. But they, they have t- kind of turned into, as you talked about Will, a little bit earlier, and Palmer Tom's touched on it, more of a heavy passing team. And for a Vanderbilt fan, that may scare a, a few of them because Vanderbilt has – uh, shown if, if there's a mismatch on the edge, the other team takes advantage of it, and Georgia will do that. They're going to take some deep shots. So, Will, I'm looking at the defense mostly here for Vanderbilt, how they improve, because offensively we know what they can do. We know what they're capable of, but, man, it's going to be hard to move the ball on that defense. Yeah, the, the Vanderbilt defensive line, the, this Georgia team, they have three running backs averaging over five yards of carries. Amir mm-hmm. White leads that charge, but Kendall Belton and James Cook in that backfield are outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, their passing game hasn't been forced to do too much, even though it hasn't improved. JT Daniels has played much, much better. Brock Bowers at tight end is going yep. to be a real, real challenge for a Vanderbilt team that has struggled to match up against tight ends really since before Clark Lee got here and since he has been here they have really really struggled with the the example of Trey McBride from Colorado State and unfortunately Georgia's entire other 10 players on that field are going to be much much better and have to be accounted for a lot more than Colorado State's Mm -hmm. team so uh, limiting the deep ball is important but 
it's just going to be having negative plays created by that defense and getting Georgia off schedule on offense. Otherwise, they're going to be averaging over five yards of carry and just churning out these six, seven minute, five, six, seven minute drives against a Vanderbilt defense and tiring them out through the game. And then by the second half, those five yards that they're gaining per carry, I can just see becoming nine, 10, 11, 12 yards <laughs> per carry and this game getting pretty ugly. Yeah, well, if I look at it too. If Vanderbilt can get some takeaways, this game may be closer than people expect. But again, it's not easy to get takeaways. Though. That's, that's yeah. a big if. Um, well, all right, let's get into keys to the game. Uh, again, a whole a whole lot of of storylines on the Georgia side coming into things. Of course, Vanderbilt and Georgia haven't met since 2019. That was uh, and it was at Vanderbilt Stadium. It was that home opener where uh, it, it looked like um, Athens and Sanford Stadium there. And and we'll see. Uh, how many Georgia fans come uh, tomorrow. But number one, Will, what's your number one key uh, for the Commodores here if they want to uh, take a step forward and and show some fight and compete against this Georgia team? Number one, I don't want to make a defensive line again. So it is time of possession limiting three and outs, which I kind of led to in this. It's going to be quick turnovers. Vanderbilt cannot have those. And then having drives that aren't necessarily long scoring drives but if Vanderbilt gets the ball at the 10 or 15 yard line and they actually force a punt from Georgia they cannot have a quick three and out and immediately punt the ball back and get that defensive line and and linebackers and secondary out there for Vanderbilt with no rest against a team that is probably going to outman them physically throughout the game allowing them to get rest and rotate those guys in into a defensive line that I think does have more depth than a typical Vanderbilt defensive line does if the offense can put together any sort of of consistent offensive production and allow that defense to rest, I think this game can remain closer than maybe uh, our predictions uh, might show. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with number one, Will. I, I took a, a little bit more time for, for this one to think about it, but I went no presence for Georgia. D- don't give them anything if you're Vanderbilt. And, you know, Vanderbilt struggled with that against Stanford. They they handed them some some good field position in the punt, in the punt coverage game and, and – uh, you even saw Ken Seals throw a big interception. So uh, it's obviously it's tough. Georgia will will likely be able to move the ball at will. And, and even if Vanderbilt doesn't give your hand Georgia anything, it's going to be tough either way. Uh, but to limit, uh, I think, some of the scoring and, and momentum for Georgia and letting in having their fans dominate this game. Don't give them anything. Don't hand them any gifts. And if, if you can do that, uh, that'll be a little bit more of an encouraging sign rather than making the score look a lot worse uh, than it might should be. So uh, that's my number one key, Will, uh, rolling into uh, your second key. My second key is going to be defensive line push and creating negative plays. You cannot allow Georgia to stay on script. Their offense can turn the ball over. JT Daniels will throw interceptions and make bad decisions. He's an incredibly talented quarterback, and it will likely put up good numbers against mm-hmm. Vanderbilt. But if you get him off of the schedule and script on drives and don't allow those first down runs to pick up five, six, seven yards and set them up in second and very, very manageable, I think there's a way for Vanderbilt to possibly slow down this Georgia offense that is really st- I don't want to say struggled, but has been the side of the ball for Georgia that is not as dominant. And you saw that in them only putting up 10 points. Obviously, that was game one against Clemson, but only putting up 10 points in a win, 10 to three. So they have improved. They've gotten better week by week, but there's still some missed assignments, missed blocks in that running game, even as good as it has been. And Vanderbilt 
capitalizing on the mistakes that Georgia makes in blocking assignments and creating negative plays. They need five tackles for loss and at least two sacks in order to keep this game within four scores. I, and we have not seen that kind of pressure created by the defensive line yet this year. I completely agree with you. And my second key kind of tags along with yours and it's takeaways on defense. And only that's the only way Vanderbilt, um, I know I keep saying compete in the, competes in this game, but when I say that, I'm saying, um, you know, ha- keep it competitive. Show, yeah. Showing a respectable, yeah. Showing a respectable effort that SE, other SEC teams and fan bases look at and say, okay, Vanderbilt, you know, they, they looked, they looked like they showed some fight. Um, so will takeaways on defense and, and, you know, they showed what they can do with a takeaway against Colorado state and against JT Daniels. I think the formula is simple. Find a way some get pressure, disguise blitz, whether that's disguising blitzes, uh, you know, showing different types of blitzes uh, from Jesse Minner, but forcing JT Daniels to get the ball out quicker uh, because if he has plenty of time, just like Tanner McKee for Stanford, he will have the ability to simply march down the field. So this is a big Jesse Minter performance. This is a big game for Jesse Minter to see what uh, he's been working on with this defense and and what kind of new wrinkles defensively he might uh, show uh, JT Daniels' way. So for me, Will, takeaways on defense, that's the only way. If they don't have takeaways, I think some some fans will look at this game and say, okay, Vanderbilt's a long way away from competing with Georgia, but if they're able to get some takeaways defensively and, and grab some of the, some of the games of momentum, that'll, that'll give some people, uh, especially some Vanderbilt people, some, some, some good news. So that, that's my second key. Will go, going into your, your third. There we go. <laughs> I, I was waiting to see if you had more to say on your second no. key before I jumped in and uh, interrupted, but I was reading, reading some stats that I just seen tweeted out and I was just actually reading the breaking news from ESPN that Josh Gordon is reinstated to the NFL. So that distracted me a little bit, but back to the Vanderbilt Georgia preview. So my third key is trust seals is trust Ken seals. Uh, The offense has been bad to this point. I would say Um, pretty much every statistical category as far as positive plays points per drive. Vanderbilt is dead last in SEC. Vanderbilt's averaging 1.39 points per drive and 0.21 points per play. For example, Mississippi State is 13th out of 14. They're averaging 2.05 points per play, so almost double, well, about 60% more than Vanderbilt. And they're averaging double points per play, 0.42 points per play than Vanderbilt. So this offense has been bad. Now, where Vanderbilt shockingly actually rates right in the middle of the pack in the SEC is going to be lowest pressure percentage per pass play. And this is going to be surprising. They are actually ranked right in the middle at number seven. So they're actually protecting the quarterback well. And then when you look at Vanderbilt's turnover rate, they're actually ranked fifth in the SEC. In uh, turn, wow. no fifth in negative percentage and seventh in turnovers. So they're right in the middle slash top of the pack in not allowing negative plays, which is a good job to that offensive line, and then not allowing pressure. Good job to the offensive line, and they're good at not turning the ball over right now. Even though that Kinsale's pick against Stanford yeah. was pretty detrimental yeah, in that, that game, was pretty crucial, to say the least. Game. But basically what I'm getting at is this offense, you saw it, and this, I'm going to go back here, Billy. Sorry, my key three is a little bit longer than no, I think you're we fine. <laughs> So I don't know if people will remember when Johnny McCreary 
was the quarterback uh, for Vanderbilt. Yes, yes, in did. the season in 2015, when they lost to Western Kentucky to open the season in week one. Mm-hmm. If you will remember, in week one, Vanderbilt moved that ball up and down the field against Western Kentucky and turnovers in the red zone and turnovers yes. lost them that game. Now, after that game, the offense could no longer move the ball at all because they went into a complete shell because they were scared to turn the ball over. And my thought process was open up the offense. If you turn the ball over, I would rather us throw five interceptions a game and move the ball up and down the field, at least give yourself a chance. Yeah. So Vanderbilt hasn't done that because they they've actually, in my opinion, coached a pretty decent offensive game, even Mm -hmm. though they've been out, they don't have the best weapons and explosive playmakers and guys that fit in this system, but you have to allow Ken Seals to throw the ball this game. You're thin at running back. The offensive line has protected well. Granted, they haven't faced anything like this Georgia team. Vanderbilt has not been turning the ball over a tremendous amount. Obviously, they have not been playing this Georgia defense, but you're not going to be able to run the ball. You are not going to be able to do what we discussed last episode in in the recap of that Stanford game and run the ball on second down if you throw it on first. You're going to have to more than one time like they've done the entire season in non-desperation and two-minute situations throw the ball on both first, second, and possibly third down. I know that's some one of the commandments of coaching for some reason that you're not supposed to throw the ball in first, second, and third Can't down. Can't do that, Will. But, but they're going to have to do that against this Georgia team because I just cannot imagine that this offensive line is going to be able to move that extremely talented front seven from Georgia and pick up in each type of consistent gain. So trust Ken Seals. Let him win or lose the game. Worst case is you lose the game by 50 as opposed to losing the game by 30 if he does turn the ball over. And really, does that matter, Billy? No, it really doesn't. It doesn't necessarily matter right now. And I know you said Vanderbilt is likely not going to be able to run the ball, but I still want to see what Rock is able to do. I want to see in replacement of Ramon Davis. Mm-hmm. Again, right now, it, at this point, you just want to keep the kid healthy against a pretty scary Georgia defense. But um, I'm not necessarily looking at his production. I'm looking at how does he look out there? Is he running hard? Is he running confidently? Uh, because that's what Ramon Davis did. No matter who he played, whether it was Stanford, Colorado State, uh, ETSU, he ran the ball hard. Uh, and also out of the passing game, what, what's he able to do? Does, does Vanderbilt bring in some mm-hmm. of those uh, passing plays for him out of the backfield, whether it's a, um, you know, some type of bubble screen, whatever, to get It'll Rocco be interesting involved. on that, on that, Billy. It'll be interesting to see if they try to utilize Patrick Smith in those situations they, or I otherwise they, they might be thrown because I don't know if Rocco is necessarily the, the pass catching yeah, outside. I, I think Patrick Smith is more of a, pa- a passing cat, pass catcher mm-hmm. running back. Um, and, and, Patrick, I know he's he's not the biggest guy out there, but you saw against ETSU, he's kind of that Jerron Seymour jitterbug type, where mm-hmm. if he does get loose... Little jitterbug. Yeah, <laughs> lo- love that call. But uh, if he is able to get loose, you know, watch out, because he's, you know, he's, he still has to gain a lot more pounds, but it's up to Rocco and Patrick Smith right now. They're, they're the they're the brunt of that running game, and we're going to have to see what they're able to do. But uh, there you have it, our keys of the game. Uh, well, let's roll into predictions now. Um, and uh, we, we love making predictions. Uh, but the main question here uh, is, does Vanderbilt cover? It's I think it's going to be tough. I actually, ha- believe it or not, have Vanderbilt covering. I think I have them scoring a late touchdown to make it 42 to 10, 42 to 3 uh, at one point. But Vanderbilt scores a late touchdown just like they get it against Stanford to make it 42-10. And keep in mind, Will, 
Georgia was up 40-6 to over South Carolina for most of the game last weekend. Uh, South Carolina was able to score a late touchdown, make it 40-13. to So, uh, again, 42-10 to is not the – it's a sneaky cover, backdoor cover, but uh, I've got Georgia 42-10 to and Vanderbilt uh, barely covering there at the end. But I wouldn't – again, this is kind of best-case scenario, I think, for this spread. Uh, but I, I still wouldn't be surprised if Georgia – gets a 50 burger because of how pissed they are that they didn't get a senior night last year. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I've had to edit into my predictions now three straight weeks, uh, <laughs> right on the fly that Vanderbilt has a kicker that can make kicks. So that, that has not been in my initial, for some yes. reason in my head, I can't get through my mind that <laughs> even though he came up short on that field goal against Stanford, that we do have Bolivis who can actually make field goals. One thing I had noticed before I go into my prediction, Pearson cook had been doing kickoffs. I did yeah, not realize I, I'm that. Not sure came up it. short, and then they put Bulovis out there after Pearson Cook two times in a row came up short against Stanford on kickoffs, and yeah. then Bulovis, of course, blasted it out the back of the end zone. So yeah. I don't know if that torch has been passed or for what reason they were doing that, but that was a little small note. That yeah, I, I, know, I did notice that, and I think for for Bulovis, it's his experience and and you mentioned i mean cook he he was not getting it deep enough i mean he he just wasn't um and and i did notice that but who knows if if we'll see any more of pearson cook you're not going to see him kicking field goals maybe extra points who knows but no uh, <laughs> all right now now off of the kickers bullish should be the only foot touching the ball but big leg joe um <laughs> big leg so joe. this this game i think obviously vanderbilt is outmatched you said it just it, it depends on if they cover or not and I can see Vanderbilt being able to, at one point, hit a big play against this inexperienced Georgia secondary. Ken Seals able to find one of the playmakers on the outside in Chris Pierce, Cam Johnson, Will Shepard. Maybe we'll see an Amir Abdurrahman sighting. I'm not hopeful at this point that we're going to see much of him. Maybe but this, this Georgia offense is going to average over six yards of carry against this Vanderbilt defense. They're not going to be able to stop them, and it's going to get worse as the game wears on because that Georgia offensive line is just going to absolutely dominate. Um, Georgia's not going to have to throw the ball. They are going to throw the ball, and their tight ends are going to feast against Vanderbilt's defense. So that is my big concern. I think the secondary is going to perform a little bit better than we think. But all that said, Georgia 45, Vanderbilt 10. I think you're dead on with a fourth quarter touchdown. I don't think Vanderbilt crosses the red zone um, the entire first three quarters of the game. I hope I'm wrong on that. But this Georgia defense has given up one offensive touchdown the entire season. I don't see any reason why this offense has shown us that they will be offensive touchdown number two. So that's what I'm looking at going forward. Maybe in the fourth quarter they can get a sneak backdoor touchdown to to make the final scoreboard look better, but this game will never be close. I think Georgia will probably be up four scores at halftime realistically, um, and I just don't see them being able to stop this rushing attack with that three-headed monster they have in the backfield. Yeah, man, it's going to be tough. Uh, obviously, both Georgia all the way for us, but I I'm really interested, real lastly here, Will, to see how much fire Georgia comes in with and how mm -hmm. you know they're going to be playing with energy. It's going to it's going to feel like uh, somewhat of a home game for them, um, but it, how. You know, can Vanderbilt counteract that? Can they can they find a way to kind of uh, okay, they're coming in with fire, but we're treating this as kind of a chip on our shoulder and playing at playing in type of a kind of a road atmosphere. So uh, it's a learning experience. Will it's only week four for Vandy, and um, I guess one more question for you, Will, is what 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 do you want to see from this team to take another step? And it doesn't have to be a huge step, but a small step forward against a really good team that could potentially win it all this year. 
So my biggest complaints with the staff and made them very clear has been the predictable offensive play calling. I don't care what the final score is at all. Vanderbilt's not expected to compete in this game. They shouldn't compete in this game, Clark Lee. And, and that's probably a negative outlook. And I'm not saying that players probably don't like hearing that, but in the back of their minds, in all reality, they know this as well. Clark Lee doesn't have the guys that he wants that fit this system, but I want to see that offensive game plan switched up. You go into this knowing that it doesn't matter necessarily what that final score is. So play loose, open mm -hmm. up Ken Seals, try some things you haven't tried before. Let Mike Wright do some stuff in some, some unique wildcat type packages. Let some RPO stuff happen because right now Vanderbilt is the worst RPO effectiveness offense in the entire SEC, according to SEC StatCat. So yep. I, I love that website, by the way. Yeah, I'm plugging that in website. again. It, it is incredible. Definitely pay the premium subscription, support him because he is doing, whoever runs that site is doing some we outstanding work on the details. It's, it's awesome. Uh, so open it up and let that offensive game plan go. And I want to see that offensive line continue to play well. I, I have been very, very impressed for the second year in a row with an offensive line that is really undermanned, playing their ass off, to mm -hmm. be frank, yeah. and, and giving everything they have on pretty much every play. And that center position did not cause any issues uh, against Stanford. The snap was right on target, so I want to give credit to Hernandez there yeah. for stepping into that role and doing a hell of a job against Stanford. So the offensive line continued to play well, and I want that defensive line to get some semblance of pressure. This is probably not the game to wish for that against what is likely going to be an offensive line at Georgia that has three or four guys that will be playing on Sundays very soon. So, but get some pressure. I want to see a sack. I want to see negative plays whenever that may be. But the final score has no outcome on how I view how Vanderbilt played this game. It's going to be how they played the game, not the final outcome, which is usually never my mantra because I am the biggest opposition of moral victories of anyone on the planet because they don't exist and they're not real but against georgia <laughs> there are moral victories to be had so vanderbilt just needs to come out and execute and just take their take their eyes off the scoreboard so there it is the small step forward in will byron's mind for this uh clark lee coach team uh will it, it, it again it's it, we're gonna learn a lot from this offensive line if they're able to if they're able to give ken seals a semblance of time back there they're gonna take a big step forward all right that's it for segment one Coming up next, Palmer Toms. He is a Georgia beat writer for Dogs HQ, uh, part of the On3 Sports Network, joining us here on The Door Report, coming right up. Before we get into the interview with Palmer Toms, it's now time to send it over to Gary Scales for a few words on our presenting sponsor, Alaco Fine Wood Floors. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. Welcome back into the Door Report alongside Palmer Toms, the Georgia beat writer from Dogs HQ, part of the On3 Sports Network of Coverage. Brand new uh, site uh, this, uh, this season for uh, Georgia fans, not only Georgia fans, but many other teams, and of course, uh, SEC football uh, across the South, especially with a recruiting-centered uh, focus there. So really excited uh, for Palmer to, Palmer to join us here as Georgia and Vanderbilt kick off tomorrow, noon Eastern time in Nashville. Palmer, how you doing? I know you're probably excited to be back home in Nashville, right? Yeah, it's great to be back. It's exciting to uh, make the trip up here. came up a day early to experience the Music City with some of my college friends. We uh, 
we're having a good time. It, it's it's a good time up here. Uh, so, you know, happy to be back and, and excited to see this game play out on Saturday. Well, I want to start with exactly that. You just mentioned you're uh, in a group of uh, several Georgia fans coming up to Nashville. How many Georgia fans do you expect to see tomorrow? And are you expecting more of the same that we did that we saw two years ago uh, back in 2019 for that for that home opener for, for Vanderbilt? Yeah, that the 2019 game. I mean, I, that that's it was a sea of red. It was very much a Georgia home game uh, on the road. And and, and the, the cliche saying is, is dogs travel. Well, the dogs did travel that day, and, and that's for sure. Um, I don't know that I would expect to see that many that, that many Georgia fans. I think it will still be predominantly red and black in the stadium rather than black and gold. Uh, you know, I, having listened to some a bunch of Georgia fans, uh, you know, they're saying, hey, make sure you wear red, not black, because Vanderbilt's black, and, and they might have <laughs> – <laughs> they might be wearing black. So, you know, you want to stand out. You, you Let's wear some red. They try so. to stand out as much as they can. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, you know, that, that 2019 game was a, was a unique circumstance. It was the season opener, like you said, Labor Day weekend. So that you had Monday off of school, Monday off of work. So, you know, what better way to experience, to, uh, you know, that that long weekend than, than in the Music City? Yeah, and, and I want to kind of go a little bit deeper there because a lot of SEC fans will come to Nashville and, and bring big crowds, but Georgia in particular seems to be the fan base that that loves coming into Nashville. And, and you know, there's a lot of Georgia fans in the Nashville area, but there's also a lot of Florida. There's a lot of Ole Miss fans, a lot of SEC fans in Nashville. So wh why do you think it, – it, is it simply because it's Nashville or do you think it's more of, hey – you know, we know there may not be a large amount of Vanderbilt fans actually at the game. So let's try to, to show how big our fan base is and try to take over. I think it's a combination of the two. I mean, Nashville is, is you know, from that Georgia market, uh, you know, whether that be Athens, it's, it's, you know, just about five hours from there, depending on when you hit that Atlanta traffic. Atlanta is another big market. And, and depending on where you're, where you are around that, you know, Atlanta perimeter, it can be under four hours that it takes you to get to Nashville. So it's, it's you know, if, if you're looking to experience a Georgia road game, Nashville is a great place to do it because like you said, it is Nashville. You know, it, it's, it's got the fun outside of the football, but then you get to experience the football. There's not a bad seat in that stadium. Uh, you know, like you said, Georgia has the ability to, to kind of take over that stadium with, with, you know, some of the, you know, turnout from the, from the Vanderbilt yeah, fans, yeah. Uh, you know, that, so I, I think, you know, that it's a combination of the two uh, that, that Nashville is a great place to come and visit for a weekend and that Vanderbilt is a great opportunity to, to go experience a road game. And, and, and I also think Georgia fans really enjoy seeing some of these younger players that they have, you know, with the recruiting success that Kirby smart has had some of these, these games that get out of hand a little bit early, it's it's fun to stick around and see some of those younger guys play in the game because you know you don't get to you know you 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 highly anticipate their arrival for five star guys but then you don't get to see them for two three years mm -hmm. because they're they're buried down on that two three deep uh, you know behind some you know very talented guys so you know for Georgia fans it's a great opportunity to to you know experience a city that it's awesome in Nashville that both you know you and I both know but also a great place to watch some football. And then they're able to go on Broadway and have a little bit more fun uh, on Saturday night. So it lines up pretty well. Especially for... when it's a noon kickoff or yep. 11 o'clock here. 
<laughs> lines up very well for, for Georgia fans. I, I want to start now here, Palmer, with, with the quarterback. And, and uh, JT Daniels has been uh, a player that, you know, has had quite the path to Georgia. He, he of course, started at USC. And, and um, you know, he'll tell you about, you know, kind of his his mental path and kind of how he he had to uh, face some adversity. So how would you grade his his performance so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you look at JT Daniels' season so far, uh, and, and, and really, if, if you look at his Georgia career so far, it's been, he, he started four games last season, uh, you know, started the season opener against Clemson, and, and, and then, you know, misses the second game of the year against UAB with an oblique injury. Uh, he had a strain to his oblique, and, um, and, and, and then makes his return last Saturday against South Carolina, uh, you know, threw for over 300 yards against the Gamecocks. Very impressive, uh, you know, return to the field. I think that's that's what Georgia fans are really excited about with JT Daniels. He, he has that ability to to stretch the field, get the ball down field uh, that, that Georgia hasn't had in quite some time. I mean, Jake Fromm was a talented quarterback, but but arm strength was far from his his you know biggest attribute. JT Daniels has a strong arm. He, he's he was was a very highly rated guy coming out of high school in in Southern California. Made you know the short trip down the road to USC. Transfers all the way across the country after you know his second season with the Trojans. Tore his ACL, so missed you know lost missed the year, lost out on his job. Transfers to Georgia, has to you know recover, rehab from that injury. Still some. He gets more comfortable. Georgia's struggling at the quarterback position, puts him in against Mississippi State. And man, that was one of the best Georgia quarterback performances mm -hmm. I've ever seen uh, against Mississippi State. 401 yards, four touchdowns. I, I wrote it on Saturday. You know, the, the, the two marks that I look at for JT Daniels and when, when he's, you know, a, a big game for him, topping the 300 yard mark and topping the three touchdown mark. And, and he's topped the 300-yard mark three times. He also has a 299-yard game in there against Missouri, where he was pulled out pretty early. So he probably could have topped that one too if, if he mm -hmm. had gotten another drive. And, he, and he's topped the three-touchdown mark three times as well. So, you know, last Saturday he did both, 303 yards, three touchdowns. He did have an interception uh, late in the game that, that was, you know, not great. But, uh, you know, it, and, and, and Kirby Smart would be the first to tell you. He, Georgia did not close out that game against South Carolina as well as they would have liked. They got up 40-6 to six and, and, and then kind of put, took their foot off the gas a little bit, uh, had a fumble, had an interception punt you know on on defense they allowed their first touchdown of the year uh and so georgia georgia did not finish that game as well as they would have liked but but the big storyline there was the return of jt daniels and and he returned in style yeah you mentioned the defense a little bit there you just talked a lot about the offense but man georgia's defense is looking like maybe the best they've had um and and i mean 13 sacks uh through this point in the season is ridiculous vanderbilt got their first sack uh, of the season last week. So uh, for this Georgia defense, is this the best you've seen from them? And, and, and how much better do you think they can get? Because I mean, the way they're playing right now, they're, they're, they're definitely, I think they match up pretty well with, with especially a team like Alabama. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough to say that this is the best Georgia defense I've seen. I would say that Clemson game was probably the best Georgia defensive performance I've seen. Uh, but, you know, there have been some really incredible defenses under Kirby Smart at UGA. Uh, you know, I, I looked back this week at his his coordinating career at Alabama and then his head coaching career at Georgia. Uh, 2008 was his first season as the defensive coordinator for, Crimson, for the Crimson Tide. 
And I, I think he's had nine teams, not excluding this year's 2021 mm-hmm. squad. He's had nine teams finish in the top 10 for total defense in terms of yards and, and scoring defense in terms of points allowed. And, and, and that's you know really impressive. This defense is well on their way to doing that as well. I mean, allowed three points against Clemson, uh, you know, where, where the offense gave him a short field and, 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 you know, they, 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 they did a good job to hold him to three there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, they, they held, they, the defense held UAB to none. Uh, there, there was a pick six in there. So that that's going to go against them and, and they're mm-hmm. not going to be happy about that one, but uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and then 13 this past Saturday against South Carolina. Um, I, I wouldn't, you know, if you, if you look at the performances, they, they've they've scored on defense in four straight games. Really impressive, Mark. Uh, you know, dating back to last year's Peach Bowl victory over Cincinnati, Georgia Georgia has you know knows what they've got in the defense with Kirby Smart, and and I and I think the biggest most impressive piece about it is is the athleticism that they have. You know, Georgia knew felt very confident, very very confident going into the year in their front seven. They, they got a defensive line that's loaded. Jordan Davis, who's who's, you know, a massive human being, you know, <laughs> six, six, 330 pounds can, can move, you know, like, that's like the a, guy that know, he's, linebacker. He's turned into like a Twitter meme kind of. The yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it's insane. Uh, you know, the, 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 the big play there was he ran down the UAB quarterback to the sideline. You know, everyone blew that up on Twitter, like you said, and, and, yeah. and talking to Georgia players, they said, man, we see that every day in practice, <laughs> you know, uh, he, uh, after the game, Shane Beamer was was talking about him. Uh, you know, the, the biggest thing about Jordan, and 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 trust me, there's a lot of big things about someone who's 6'6", 340 <laughs> pounds. But, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing about him is is his improvement with his quickness. You know, in, in the past, he had been just a run stopper, plug up the middle, nose tackle type guy. You know, he was out of you know, the game on third down because you knew that he wasn't getting to the quarterback. And, and you would put someone a little bit smaller, a little bit quicker in there. He has really improved that, and and he's he got a sack earlier this year. Uh, you know, like, like I said, he ran down the quarterback against UAB. He has really improved that that lateral quickness, and and so you know he he is quickly shooting up NFL draft boards. But you know, going back to what I was saying, the biggest thing about this Georgia defense, they knew what they had in this front seven. Uh, you know, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, Trayvon Walker, Jalen Carter up front. Uh, you know, the, the linebackers with N'Kobe Dean, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall, outside linebackers, Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson, both those guys are former five stars. They are loaded in the front seven. <laughs> and, and, and they knew that coming into the year. They did not know what they had in the secondary. And, and if there was a weakness of this Georgia team so far, it would be the secondary a little bit. Um, you know, they, they gave up some big passing plays against South Carolina. I think it was four over 30 yards um, and, and all of them came on, you know, second or third down. Uh, I, I think one of them came on second, but the other ones came on third down, third and long. So that, you know, that, that really hurts your defense, uh, you know, your ability to get off the field. If, if you know, you, you feel great about, you know, Georgia's ability to stop the run and then they let up a big passing play like that. Um, that's a tough break, but, you know, I, I think Georgia has, they don't have a ton of depth in the secondary secondary. They've got a ton of talent there. And, uh, you know, they've made some plays there. They, they, you know, obviously did a great job of holding Clemson and, and that, you know, that Clemson offense uh, to just three points kept them out of the end zone. The biggest thing is, is that front seven's ability to get to the quarterback and put pressure on the quarterback really helps out the back end of the secondary. Uh, you know, they're not having to, to, you know, 
hold up as long. They did have some coverage sacks against Clemson. So, you know, give them, you know, give credit where credit's due. But, uh, you know, that front seven and, and their ability to pressure the quarterback, wreak havoc on them certainly is helpful. All right, Palmer, I want to ask you now about kind of the, the history of this Vanderbilt-Georgia matchup. And, and we've seen, um, I know this is when we were pretty young, but uh, when James Franklin was at Vanderbilt, um, you know, there was a kind of an emotional game there, especially with the finish there with Todd Grantham and James Franklin. And even with Coach Mason, you've seen some, some competitive uh, games, especially with Vanderbilt winning uh, at Georgia uh, when, when, uh, when, James, when Derek Mason was there as well. So 2016, 2016. Yeah, yeah 2016. Funny enough. Funny enough, that was my first game in Sanford Stadium, first game in Athens, uh, was down there wow. for a college visit. That's and it crazy. was weird to, weird to see, you know, Vanderbilt <laughs> come into town thinking, hey, you know, Georgia, Georgia's got this one in the bag. And, and you, know, you know, down there for a college visit, you, you partake in all the festivities, you wear the red and black, and then all of a sudden your hometown team is coming in and, <laughs> and upsetting uh, Kirby Smart and his, yeah. his team in the, that first season. So yeah, that, that was, was, I remember that one. Yeah, that was that was crazy. So uh, going back to that, I, I I don't think there's as much, um, you know, I'm not saying this is a, a rivalry by any sorts, but Georgia has kind of, you know, they, they've they've dominated the past couple past few times, actually. But how much do you take into account of the way Vanderbilt, um, you know, the way Vanderbilt handled their COVID situation last season towards the end of the year? Georgia really wanted another game um, to play, obviously Vanderbilt, you know, at 0-9 at that point, um, who knows, you know, the, 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 the real reasons why that happened. Um, but obviously it was a COVID year and for a Vanderbilt person, not surprised to see that obviously, uh, you know, you can understand it from a Georgia fans point of view, not, not, not being happy that you weren't able to play. Um, you know, I think that was homecoming. It was supposed to be homecoming. It was, it was the senior day game, senior yeah. day game. Yeah. So it was supposed to be senior day. So how, do, how much are you taking into this game? I know if you ask Kirby Smart or any of the players, they may not. But um, do you think there's any disdain there and Georgia wants to kind of send a message uh, tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked to the players about that this week, Kirby about that this week. Um, I, I, like you said, they're, not, they're never going to come out and say it. Um, but I do think that there is, you know, not necessarily bad blood. I think everyone understands that last year was a very unique circumstance and, and that, you know, crazy things were happening all around the country and, yeah. and, you know, the, the cancellation of one football game is, is not, you know, the end of the world. Uh, there, there were much bigger fish to fry mm -hmm. on, on Georgia's end. I, I think that they were happy that it was, you know, not their doing that they, I, I think I saw a stat at some point that was like, Georgia was one of, if you looked at the, the last college football playoff poll uh, or, or the AP final poll, uh, they were one of like two or three top 10 teams that did not cause a cancellation. Uh, wow. And it was, you know, them and Alabama um, and, and someone else. So Georgia took a lot of pride in, in the way that they handled COVID. Um, you know, I, I think I, I do agree with you that there was definitely some frustration from Georgia fans, from Georgia players. Mm. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I think that they, they feel that they feel that they, they understand, you know, and you've seen it this week. You know, I saw a graphic, uh, you know, that a fan put out that had, you know, a photo of all the seniors that didn't get to play their final game in Sanford stadium uh, in front in you know, wow. get recognized and such. Um, so I, I think that, you know, that's definitely in the back of Georgia's minds this week. But I think, you know, if, if you're the Bulldogs, you, you, you focus on this game, you don't really think back to that one you know, the, that, the, the way that that one played out has no impact on the way that this one, it will play out. 
but it will be interesting to see if, you know, if, if Kirby keeps his foot on the gas a little bit longer than he might have uh, in, if had it not been for that. Uh, I, I know there's been some calls from some Georgia fans to say, hey, you know, I want to see I want to see 70. I want to see 80. I want to see 100 points put up. I don't think Georgia's doing that, I, you know, but but, you know, I, I do say that, that that is certainly in the back of their minds that, that they, you know, aren't necessarily playing for the seniors. They're playing for their team. But that's that's certainly hard to you know not think about when when you think about you know, when, when you're watching this game and, and you're wondering, you know, if, if watching film to prepare for Vanderbilt and you're wondering, why are we watching film from two years ago? Oh, it's because we didn't play them last year. You know, like for our, you know, on our end, we were using a couple of Georgia Vandy photos to to kind of preview the game, you know, using that as as a, you know, header image. We had to go back to 2019 and, and that game. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's cer- certainly a weird circumstance uh, last year. And it's it's weird to be, you know, saying the last meeting between two SEC East, you know, opponents happened not last season, but the year before that. But, uh, you know, like I said, weird circumstances and, and not much that Georgia could do about that one. As you get ready for this game, Palmer, um, you know, we like to talk about matchups all the time. And, and obviously this this Georgia team feels confident, you know, heading into this matchup. But, um, you know, this this Vanderbilt offense has, has shown some ability this season. So what are some of the matchups offensively and defensively that you're looking forward to seeing that could, um, you know, kind of tell us, you know, the, the way this game might go? Yeah, I, I wrote about it earlier this week in, on over on Dogs HQ um, in our matchups piece, players to watch piece. And, and then today I wrote about it as well in Keys to Victory. Uh, going back to that Georgia defense and, and, the, and the way that they gave up those big plays, I'm, I'm watching that matchup between the Georgia corners and, and the Vandy wide receivers. You know, me and you talked about it earlier this week. Vandy's got three guys up, up, you know, up top on their on their you know receiver list that are talented guys: Chris Pierce, Will Shepard, Cam Johnson. You know, I, I, the the thing that stands out to me is it's always impressive when you've got a different leader for yards, receptions, and touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You've got one guy leading in yardage, and, and that's Will, you know, uh, Chris Pierce. Mm-hmm. Will Shepard leading in in receptions, and Cam Johnson finding the end zone twice uh, more than anyone else on that on that list. I think that's impressive. And, and so you got to pay attention to all three of those guys. And, and then, you know, I also am paying attention to, uh, and, and, and adding on to that, uh, I, I think, it, you know, Georgia had suffered a season ending injury this year, uh, this week mm-hmm. uh, to Jalen Kimber, who's listed on the two deep for cornerbacks. Hasn't necessarily been in the top rotation. Georgia rotates you know, three guys there in, in Darian Kendrick, the Clemson transfer, uh, Amir Speed and Keely Ringo, Ringo being a former five-star and, and one of the top cornerbacks in the country. Um, but, you know, if, if, if you look at, you know, who was who was that next in line guy, it was Jalen Kimber. And, and if, you know, some guy was cramping up or some guy went down with an ankle injury or, or whatever the reason was, Jalen Kimber was going to be there. Jalen Kimber was in the, you know, going back to the spring, Jalen Kimber was in the running for a, a starting position. You know, they didn't have Darren Kendrick in the mix yet. Uh, so they had two, you know, they lose three corners to the NFL draft. Uh, and, and so, you know, you had two spots open. You, you lost another, you know, talented five-star to transfer. You lose guys at star and on the back end of the safety, secondary at safety. Uh, and, and so, you know, that was, there was, a, there was a lot of open spots there in, in the secondary. And, and Jalen Kimber was certainly in competition to take one of those spots. Uh, and, and so, you know, his season ending injury is, is obviously a tough blow for him. He's a redshirt freshman. 
so it'll be interesting to see if he can get a medical red shirt to go with, you know, the, the red shirt that he got last year for not necessarily playing. And he only played in four, th- two, th- three, four games last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, was able to red shirt then obviously you've got the COVID year of eligibility there. So, you know, that'll be an interesting situation to see how it plays out, but it's also, you know, a, a brutal blow for Georgia's depth outside of those top three guys that are rotating in Kendrick speed and Ringo. They're left with three true freshmen in, in Kamari Lassiter, Nylon Green and Lavoisier Carroll, who was a, you know, running back at IMG made the transition over to defense this year uh, during spring practice. And so, you know, certainly interesting to see how that one will play out, um, you know, with, with that's with those talented wide receivers that Vandy has and the, the lack of depth that Georgia has at, at, you know, corner. So that, that would be my biggest matchup to watch. <clears throat> I, I think also, you know, the, the, like we said, the front seven for Georgia has a big advantage over, uh, you know, a, a Vanderbilt offensive line that, that is, you know, not necessarily in shambles, but still figuring some things out. Mm-hmm. I think Georgia, you know, quite frankly, has has an advantage over pretty much anyone they'll play with yeah. that front seven. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how how things shake out there. And, and then the biggest storyline for Georgia, um, you know, out, outside of the quarterbacks and, and you know, getting JT Daniels healthy, which I think he showed that he is healthy. Uh, you know, he, he's developing that chemistry with wide receivers, 303 yard, three touchdowns shows you that. I think the biggest thing for Georgia has been their their improvement, gradual improvement in the run game. You know, Georgia prides itself on, on you know, ground and pound RBU. But so far this season, it's it's been the passing game that has you know mm-hmm. really carried this offense. And so you know, that that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, Georgia's figuring some pieces out on the offensive line. Uh, the running backs haven't had a breakout performance. They're, they're kind of four deep at the top of that depth chart. And, and so, you know, the, the, it's been a team effort uh, and, and they've improved week by week. It'll be interesting to see if one of those guys, you know, gets a, you know, heavier load of the carries or, or you know, breaks out with a, with a long run. Palmer, before we get to your prediction, uh, you are a Montgomery Bell Academy graduate. So is uh, Vanderbilt head coach Clark Lee. And, and I want to kind of anytime I see, you know, a, a Montgomery Bell Academy graduate, there's that connection. There's that Nashville West End Vanderbilt connection, especially with uh, Clark Lee, a guy who played football there, uh, went on to play college baseball, and now he is at Vanderbilt. So uh, from your point of view, from your perspective, being an NBA guy, uh, not sure how familiar we you are with uh, with Clark Lee and uh, maybe how, how connected he still is with NBA. But uh, from your point of view, what do you see him accomplishing in the future at Vanderbilt? And do you think he has what it takes to kind of bring Vanderbilt back up, um, you know, from from let's face it, the bottom of the SEC? Yeah, I, I know. I know Clark Lee was over at NBA speaking earlier this year. It may, it may have been last year, but you know, he, he went and spoke. So he's obviously still trying to keep that connection there. I would imagine some of that is is from a recruiting perspective as well. I know mm-hmm. that they're involved with a couple guys over there, Grayson Morgan, Marcel Reed, yeah. uh, a couple guys that they've had on campus. So, you know, in, in terms of his, you know, what Clark is able to do at Vanderbilt, I, I think it always speaks volumes when when someone comes back to their alma mater and is is the coach and, and really, you know, they care about this program. It, you know, you see it in Athens with with Kirby Smart. Mm-hmm. He mentioned it earlier this week. Uh, you know that that. Clark is an alma, you know, Clark is coaching at his alma mater. I'm coaching at my alma mater. And, and, you know, there's, there's something about that where you just, you know, the program, you know, what works, you know, what doesn't work, you know, the fan base, you know, you know, what they like and what they don't like. And so, you know, it, it's going to take some time, you know, Kirby was not, you know, super successful in his first season, uh, you know, obviously took over 
a more talented situation than what Clark is taking over at Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, but, but Kirby did not, you know, make a big jump until his second season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he's been able to use his connections, use his, his sense of pride that he has in, in being a Georgia grad, being at Georgia, you know, it's, it's his home state, uh, you know, his, his alma mater. So he takes a lot of pride in that. I would imagine it's very similar to, to what Clark Lee feels about Vanderbilt, um, you know, just from the outside looking in, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the feeling that I get there with Clark and, and, you know, that I, I said it to you when we were having our Q and a earlier this week, mm-hmm. which, you know, you can go find over on dogs HQ. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, what, one thing that's, that's big about Clark is he, he doesn't want Vanderbilt, you know, just because Vanderbilt has been a certain way, doesn't mean that Vanderbilt will be a certain way in the future. And I, I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. He's, he's calling this team one yep. team one. Yep. And, and so, you know, <clears throat> he's, he's kind of embracing that identity of this is a new era of Vanderbilt football. This is his program. Now it's not Derek Mason's it's, it's not James Franklin's it's, it's not anyone else's it's Clark Lee's and, and he wants to put his brand on that program. Uh, and, and so I, I think that's very impressive. Like, like we talked about earlier this week, it, it starts with the recruiting trail. It started there with Kirby and, 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 you know, big difference between recruiting to Georgia and recruiting to Vanderbilt. But I think, you know, if, if Vanderbilt Clark knowing, you know, and, and, and the staff that he's brought in around him, I mean, Barton Simmons is a big addition mm-hmm. in terms of what he knows about the recruiting industry. Um, finding those guys that fit your system is, is really important. And, and you know, I, I think it starts with the recruiting. Clark has to find guys that, that fit his system, that fit the Vanderbilt way, and and mold those guys into SEC football players. Yeah, and and you know, essentially, uh, you know, you talked about how George is a lot different than Vanderbilt and where they started with Kirby. But um, you know, Vanderbilt, if 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 I I've, I tell people if they if they get to year three and they're winning, you know, five six games, that's that's definitely a success. You know, for for Clark Lee and 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 you know, getting their type of player and not kind of you know recruiting the same way as other SEC schools. So. Uh, it's definitely going to be interesting, Paltmer. Now let's get to your prediction. I got a kind of a <clears throat> kind of a two part question here. Do you think Georgia covers the spread? I think it was at thirty five. Uh, I'm not sure if it's gotten any higher than that. But um, do you think they cover the spread? And uh, what's your what's your prediction for uh, tomorrow here in Nashville? Yeah, I was I was going to take the spread approach to it. Um, I think you know in a game like this where quite frankly Vanderbilt is outmatched, um, you know, by by the number two team in the country by a team that's it's one of the most talented groups in the country. You've seen Vanderbilt go up against some of those groups in the past, whether that was, you know, Alabama in, in 2017, 2018. Yeah. Uh, they, they you know, lost that one 60 to nothing. Something uh, like that. <laughs> yeah, something like that. They, they put up a you know, better fight against LSU in, in their championship season in 2019. They put up points, but, but they allowed a lot too. I would imagine this is going to end up being – uh, you know, a, a game like that. So I, I will say Georgia covers the spread. Uh, I, I think 35 is, is probably a good number. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll say Georgia wins this one um, 45 to three. I, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll take them with winning by 42 points and uh, 45 to three is probably probably what I'm thinking. I, I'll lock that in on, on our end of things. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking 45 to three, maybe they get that 50 burger and, and they can, they can put up, you know, top that. Uh, but you haven't seen that too often under Kirby smart. He, he is, you know, he understands what these guys, other coaches are going through, whether it's, you know, he, he respects them. I mean, he respects the hell out of these guys. And, and so, um, 
you know, he understands the challenges of, of being an SEC coach and, and, you know, taking over a program and, and starting it. He's, he's been at some of these places. So, um, you know, I, I think he's got a lot of respect for Clark Lee. It will be interesting, like I said earlier, uh, because it's, it's not Derek Mason. I mean, it, and, and Kirby and Derek Mason were really close, really close. Their, their families were close. Um, you know, the, the, both defensive-minded guys. He, and every time Georgia played Vanderbilt, it was always, I've got a lot of respect for Derek Mason. The two of us are family friends. You know, that they came together at some Nike summit and, and we're always, you know, whether yeah. it was at Stanford or at, at, you know, Vanderbilt, those two were had a close connection. Um, it, it will be interesting to see if Kirby holds a little bit of a grudge for the way that that last season played out. But I think it's tough to do that with a new coaching staff um, and, and a coach that, that you had a lot of respect for in Derek Mason. So I don't think Kirby runs up the score. Um, I think, you know, maybe naturally. Georgia runs up the score some. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'll take, I will definitely take Georgia, Georgia to cover. And I think that 45 to three range is, is right, right around what I'm thinking, maybe putting up over 50 points for the Bulldogs. Well, I know a lot of Georgia fans would, uh, would, would be pretty happy if they do get to that 50 burger. Uh, so that'll be interesting to watch. Palmer, thanks again for coming on. Enjoy your coverage tomorrow. You'll be there uh, again. Thanks for coming on and uh, good luck with your coverage tomorrow. Absolutely. Thanks, Billy. Well, that'll do it for episode 109 of The Door Report. Big thanks to today's special guest, Palmer Toms. He's actually a Nashville native, graduate of Montgomery Bell Academy. It was really cool getting his take on uh, Coach Clark Lee and what he might be able to do uh, here in Nashville and and maybe locking up the mid-state in terms of recruiting, especially uh, with some of those guys at NBA like Marcel Reed, the quarterback, Grayson Morgan. So, again, we'll see. It was was really cool to get that perspective uh, from Palmer Toms. Alongside Will Byram, Palmer Toms, I'm Billy Derrick, and you've been listening to episode 109 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.